0: Well, hey, let's continue our series called This is Love, talking about love, the greatest commandment. We've been going through a whole lot of different things, and this is based on Matthew twenty-two thirty-six 36 through 40, where Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment, the most important commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all you got and love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two greatest commandments and all the law and the prophets hang on those two commandments. We've talked about the fact that love is foundational and indispensable for Christianity. We must be people of love. If we don't have love, something will always be missing. Something will always be broken without love. Christianity just doesn't work without love. So we need to seek to be made complete in love. We need to take the initiative to seek the Lord, to connect with God so that our heart can be changed and we can walk in love. Last week, we talked about loving your enemies. So if you weren't able to see that one, go to the Sermon Archives, to the YouTube channel, and get caught up, because that one's really, really important to learn how to love your enemies. This week, we're going to... Turn the series in a little bit different direction and we're going to talk about seeing the world through the lens of love and we're going to look at different things this week we're going to look at seeing the church through the lens of love and some other lenses that people sometimes can see the church through. So we need to have our eyes right and be able to see the right way. So when we see the world through the eyes of love, the lens of love, we're going to see things in the right perspective. So the goal now is Romans 12.2 to not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So we don't want to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but we want to be transformed. Don't be conformed to the patterns that are not the pattern of love, but to be transformed, have our minds renewed, have ourselves changed so that we can be people of love. Very important. And then Matthew 6, and 23 is a very, very powerful scripture. Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And this is where we get the idea of seeing with the right lens. If our eyes are bad, our whole body is going to be full of darkness. And we don't want to see the world in the wrong way. It's so easy to have a tainted view of reality, to have a view that really isn't exactly right. And sometimes we might be looking at things that are true, but we're interpreting them the wrong way. So we need to make sure that we have our eyes set the way that Jesus would have us have our eyes set so that we see the world in the right way through the lens of love. So today we're going to look at the church, through the lens of love, the body of Christ, the believers around the world. We'll talk about individual relationship with church, kind of local church, and then the whole big picture. So as we do this, I want to talk about some false lenses, some bad lenses. You know, if we're going to change to the lens of love, there are other lenses. And so we need to identify some of those and then talk about them. Here are some bad lenses, some lenses that we shouldn't see the church through. The consumer lens, you know, we live in a capitalist society. We're all about getting a good deal and buying something that we like. We're consumers, but when we see the church through a consumer lens, then we're not seeing the church in the right way. There's a competitive lens, seeing things in a competitive way. Churches competing with each other and even personally, uh, individually competitive with others. We don't want to see through a competitive lens. There's a, fault-finding lens, a lens where we look at the church and try to figure out everything that's wrong. That's not a great lens to be looking at. There's the defeatist lens of looking at the church and saying, yeah, it doesn't get anything accomplished anyway. It's not really even working. And just a defeatist mentality, a defeatist vision about the church. And then also a vulnerable lens. You know, the church that Jesus is building is not vulnerable. We don't need to worry. If you've read the end of the book, you know that the people of God prevail, that God's plan goes all the way to the finish. Uh, So we don't need to see the church as vulnerable. So we've got all of these lenses that we're going to talk about. But one thing before we get into that is this, Uh, it's important to make sure that as we're understanding the things of God that we stay on the road we stay on that narrow path you don't want to go into the one ditch and you don't want to overcorrect and go into the other ditch this is something that Christians have a tendency to do for whatever reason maybe it's a human thing but i've noticed it more in the christian culture i think people will grab onto an idea and then just drive it so far into a place that doesn't make sense. You know, an example might be turn the other cheek. Well, yes, Jesus said, turn the other cheek, but that doesn't mean he wants you to be an enabler. Jesus also flipped over the tables of the money changers. So we need to understand that if you turn the other cheek too much, you become a victim. If you flip over the money changers tables every time, now you're in the other ditch. We need to be on the road, on the narrow path, understanding when to turn the other cheek, when to flip over the money changers tables. And with these things, there are ditches. You can go too far one way or too far the other. So I'll let you discern that. But I'm going to talk primarily about going away from the false lens into the lens of love. So let's talk about the consumer lens. Did you know that some people go shopping for a church that they like I remember when I started looking for a church to connect with, I went to find a church that was making a difference that I could make a difference in. I wanted to make sure we we're advancing the kingdom of God. That's why I chose to affiliate with the assemblies of God, because I believe the Pentecostal doctrine that, you know, the, the miracles of the New Testament, the Holy Spirit's moving in our lives is true today, still happens. And also the assemblies of God, very aggressive with missions and evangelism. These were important things for me. It wasn't about music style, the comfort of the chairs, how close the parking was. None of that stuff. It was, can we get the job done? It was more like finding a opportunity to advance the kingdom of God. That's how I looked at the church what to align myself with. But when people have a consumer mentality and they have their list of things they like, and so they go looking for a church that has the things they like, they may accidentally not align themselves with the most effective way to advance the kingdom of God, but they're just looking for their own needs to be met. And that gets a little bit too close to the itching ears idea of 2nd Timothy chapter 4 so let me read 2nd Timothy chapter 4 verses 1 through 5 Let's get a sense of this. The Apostle Paul is talking to Timothy, a young preacher, a young minister, and he's trying to help him to be more effective, more productive, to really get the job done. And here is some things that he told to Timothy here. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Well, That sounds pretty strong. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Paul is warning Timothy that the time will come when people won't put up with sound doctrine. Now, Paul wasn't talking about deep theology. He was doctrine is things like don't lie, love God, love your neighbor. You know, that's that's doctrine. It can get into theology. But I think in the modern context, a lot of the theological discussions are those foolish and stupid arguments that it's talked about here. You know, they're impractical and just divide. That's not what we're going for. Sound doctrine is the basic truths of Christianity. When people don't put up with that, then we have a problem. And there's a a guy named Jeff Surratt, who's one of the guys that speaks at conferences and things like that. And one of the things that he said that I thought was really powerful is he said, you know, in the Christian world, People will put up with heresy, but they won't put up with boredom. And I thought, man, that is, you know, it's true, but that's a knife to the heart. That's a serious problem. If people will put up with heresy, but not boredom, that means that we've got a serious problem with a consumer mindset. So we need to not be consumers, but instead, what does love do? Love doesn't look to consume, but love looks to serve. So we look to find the place, the church, the local church, the denomination, the environment where we can serve the Lord and advance the kingdom of God the best. That's what we need to do. So we need to put Matthew six thirty three into practice with regards to our vision of church attendance being part of the church. Instead of the consumer lens, we want to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and believe that he will add all these things to us. So instead of looking for the things that we want, we need to see how can I advance the kingdom, be part of God's kingdom and his righteousness more powerfully, and then trust God to meet those other needs for us. Don't look at the church through a consumer lens, but look through a lens of love that causes us to be servants, to serve others. That's the consumer lens. Second lens the competitive lens. We don't want to look at the church through a competitive lens. There's two aspects of this. There's the corporate aspect, church versus church uh, competition or ministry versus ministry competition. And then there's the individual, you know, selfish ambition type competition where I'm trying to get my thing done. I'm trying to you know, be better than everybody else and and accomplish great things and whatever, and really miss the concept of greatness that Jesus talks about. We must remember that we are not competing against other churches, other denominations. You know, the Lutherans aren't the problem. The devil is the problem. The sin in this world is the problem. The evils of this world is the problem. Now, we'll get into this a little bit later. I'm all for grabbing hold of the truths of the scripture and understanding that there's been false teaching out there in so many different areas. But the reality is we need to stand together, united under Christ so that we can do battle against the enemy and not get caught competing with each other and doing battle with one another. That's an absolute disaster. Let's look at individual competitive lens first. So James 3 is the individual competitive lens. So James 3, you know, this can happen. There's times in in my own life where I've compared what my ministry life is like to somebody else, and it does something in your heart that's not good. And that's what this is talking about. We must resist that competitive thing individually. So James 3, we're going to read 13 through 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, then peace loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere peacemakers who sow in peace, reap a harvest of righteousness. So we need to have that wisdom that comes from above, a humble wisdom, a loving wisdom, not a selfish ambition type wisdom, because Every evil practice is around when people are like that. So we must battle against that individual competitiveness, comparing ourselves to others, wanting to be farther along, higher up in the organization, you know, having a, uh, what we view as a more important position, being more successful, all of that stuff we must resist and just Serve the Lord, be part of what he's doing. And maybe you even lift somebody else up and empower them. And everybody thinks they're the one doing it, but you're the one holding them up. Well, hallelujah, that's treasures in heaven. The Lord sees that. Don't harbor that bitter envy, that selfish ambition in your heart, because it's very, very destructive. We need to get that competitive lens out and instead love those people and help them humbly collaborate, then the corporate competition thing is also extremely bad. You know, when churches are competing with each other, that is a ridiculous mess. I remember one time we had a a Christmas Eve service and it was pretty full. This was early on and it was fun to see a full Christmas Eve service. And, you know, seeing that competitive bent for me, I, I thought, I wonder, I wonder who has the biggest Christmas Eve service? You know, where's the biggest Christmas Eve service in town, in the area? And at that time, my parents were living in Brainerd. So we took off after the Christmas Eve service to go visit my parents and we drove by the casino. It became very obvious that the biggest gathering on Christmas Eve was at the casino. That place was jammed. And so I thought, oh, okay, it's not, it's not about us as churches competing we have uh, a world out there that is taking people away from God that we compete against. So we want to understand that we're not competing against each other. First Corinthians chapter three is all about this. So first Corinthians chapter three, the beginning of it brings us into the concept. And then the finish of that chapter really drives it home. So first Corinthians three starting with one through four brothers and sisters. I could not address you as people who live by the spirit, but as people who are still worldly mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed. You are still not ready. You are still worldly for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you. Are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul and another, I follow Apollos. Are you not mere human beings? These are people that are comparing the teachings of Paul, the leadership of Paul to the teachings of Apollos, the leadership of Apollos, and they're siloing into these different groups and competing between each other. That is exactly like different churches competing, different denominations competing. It is a serious problem. So we jump to the end of that same chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting verse 18 through the end of the chapter, and let's drive it home. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you thinks you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future all are yours, and you are of Christ. And Christ is of God. So when Paul is talking about telling people not to look at the wisdom of this world and the standards of this age, he's talking about Christians having churches and ministries competing against each other. That's what he's talking about. You know, Christians want to quote that and say, yeah, the scientists say, yeah, the the philosophers Paul's talking about the churches who are comparing their leaders and competing with each other. That's not wisdom. That is a problem. Instead, we have to stand together. Don't allow that competitive lens to push you in the wrong direction. And don't complain when God answers the prayer regarding workers in the harvest field. You know, Jesus said the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest to send workers. Now, I'm sure you've been doing that. So when the Lord sends someone to plant a new church in your community, you should celebrate. Hallelujah. God's answered our prayer. Not feel a competitive issue there, but be welcoming and empowering because we need to plant multiple churches. We need many more churches right here in Cloquet, uh, let alone all around the area and around the world. We must do that. So we must not have a competitive lens. We must see the church both individually and corporately through a lens of love and love humbly collaborates without love. We will fail. Jesus said in Matthew 21, 43, that the kingdom of God will be taken away from that group of people and given to a people who will produce its fruit. We must be willing to produce the fruit of the kingdom of God and not get caught up into a competitive mindset. So we don't want a consumer lens or a competitive lens. We want a lens of love. We also don't want a fault-finding lens. This is the COVID era. The reality is is that churches are having to deal with stuff that they don't want to have to deal with, and they're having to make decisions they never wanted to make. I know of a church, local-ish church, I'll, I'll call it, that they decided in one service, you know, they're trying to make everybody feel comfortable. So they had multiple services. And one of them was the, everybody wears a mask service, you know? Just to, if people are afraid and they want to have everybody else have a mask on, this is the service to come to. And somebody came to the service and didn't want to wear a mask. And the person said, well, you know, we have these other options if you don't want to wear a mask. But just during this service, we want people to wear a mask. And and the response was something along the lines of, I've been attending this church for 60 years. And now it looks like I'm going to have to look for another one. Well, that's, that's fault finding in a just ridiculously foolish way. And I've heard this from multiple multiple sources. That's a fault finding lens. That's not a lens of love where you're thinking about the other people who are going to feel uncomfortable thinking that somebody there isn't wearing a mask. And we're more likely to spread things when we don't wear a mask because you don't wear a mask for yourself. You wear a mask for the other people. And so that's not a, that's not a love lens. That's a fault finding lens. And before I go too far on this one and start feeling disgusted about people like that, I mean, I, 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 Started off with a pretty heavy fault-finding lens. Now, it wasn't a shallow one like that, but I had a fault-finding lens. So I just want to say hallelujah for the work of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because that was the heart change. That was the heart transplant that I needed to go from a fault-finding lens into a lens of love. So we need to not have a fault-finding lens, but instead have a lens of love because then we get what Proverbs 10 and First uh, Peter four talk about Proverbs ten twelve, hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrongs. Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers all wrongs. And then First Peter four eight is very much the same. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. What does that mean? That means. Love just lets go the mask deal. Love doesn't nitpick the strategic decisions that a particular church makes about how to deal with COVID-19. Love covers over a multitude of sins. So love is able to let that go for the greater purpose of Christ. Next one is a defeatist lens. We don't want the fault finding lens, but we also don't want the defeatist lens. I didn't start by going to church. A lot of people started going to church. They heard the word of God. They came up for the altar call, got saved, started living for Christ. That's their story. For me, I wasn't in church. I had a person individually witnessed to me. And then in a a time of prayer, just between me and God is when I got saved. And I started basically a discipleship program by just reading the Bible. It was me by myself. The church didn't bring me to God. But as I learned the things of God, God brought me to church. The truth is that we belong to the body of Christ. We are one body and we need to come and be part of it. So I was outside of the group and I saw scripturally, I need to come in and be part of the group. So that's what I did. And here I am. So 1 Corinthians twelve twenty-seven is one of the verses that made a, a huge difference for me. Very, very important verse. And it says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Each one of you is a part of the body of Christ. I'm part of the body of Christ. If you believe in Jesus, you are part of the body of Christ. You don't get to say, well, you know what? I don't, it's not even working. Church is a waste of time. I'm not going to be part of that. Have a defeatist lens about the church where you just think eh, it ain't even worth it anyway. Instead, understand you belong. You're part of it. And if you're disengaging, then you're part of why it doesn't work. So it's self-fulfilling. The defeatist lens is self-fulfilling. You know, then people disengage. And I understand the frustration with this because it can seem like nothing's getting done. Like we're not actually accomplishing anything. Like this is a waste of time. But you have to continue on without a defeatist lens. But loving God and then believing First Corinthians 15 58 just the next couple pages 1 Corinthians 15:58 says this Therefore my dear brothers and sisters stand firm let nothing move you always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain you believe that why would it be in here well the Corinthian church was going through a whole lot of problems they had strife they had the competitiveness they had all these issues going on and so Paul had to remind them look your labor in the Lord is not in vain keep after it. Don't give up. Don't have a defeatist mentality. I looked up on the internet. I don't know if my sources were super great, but I looked at a few different things. And I think this is pretty much ballpark. About a third of Christians really don't attend church at all. About 10 to 25% of attenders are tithers. And what's interesting is nationwide, the poorer somebody is, the more likely it is that they'll tithe. Maybe then they get Uh, God blesses them and then they're like, Ooh, that's a lot of money. So I don't know what, what happens, but we need to engage and be part of it. We need to participate because when we don't participate, when we disengage, when we have a defeatist lens, then it hurts people. If one part of the body suffers, all parts suffer with it. I've got a friend, 70 years old, you know, I have some oversight over various churches and, and this is somebody that I know through that health problems needs to quit his ministry life so he can get a job to take care of his wife because after decades of ministry, he's in a desperate, terrible financial situation. That makes me angry. And it's tough because in our culture, in our type of Christian culture, you have to be talented at engaging the crowd in order for people to come, in order for you to be able to have an income. Some people are called And they're just not great at gathering a crowd. And that means they're going to be destitute. And a good number of them, or they serve in a difficult environment where there's not a whole lot of opportunity, but they're called there, And they answer the call anyway. You know, and unlike a missionary on the foreign field, you don't get to raise support for that. It's just just a little church and a little community. So you just got to make it work. And they suffer because people who should be there at that church have disengaged. They don't think it's working. They don't think it's good enough, whatever. They disengage. And then that causes people to dedicate their lives to God. And then at the end of it, be destitute. And that just makes me angry. And so I would love to buy a huge house with lots of bedrooms and invite as many people who have sacrificially ministered to be able to live there, pay for their room and board, and just bless them in that way. So you got a half a million dollars send it to me, and I pledge to you, I'll take care of that. So if you want to be part of the solution, let me know, at GoodHope.ag. But the bottom line is, we must engage, not have a defeatist mentality, because only when all of God's people show up and all of God's people participate through service and giving, are we strong. When we're not strong, we see people hurting. And besides, if we took better care of our pastors, we'd have more of them, better ones, stronger churches. Last one I want to talk about is the vulnerable lens. One of the things, again, with COVID, I've heard all these conspiracy theories and that sort of a thing. Let me tell you, God wins. We don't have to worry. We have no concern That somehow the plan of God is going to be thwarted by the people that are plotting against us and that sort of a thing. And there aren't very many people plotting against us. The biggest problem is that the world doesn't care. They don't care. They're not sitting there thinking, ooh, how can we get the Christians? They don't care. That's the big problem. The reality is, is that we need to get people's attention by living a life of love. And they see that that's way better than the thing that they're living in. And then we can take over it. You know, we can really advance the kingdom of God then. But let's look at Matthew 16, starting in verse 15. And we can get a picture of it here. Peter and Jesus are talking. Jesus says, what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So no conspiracy will prevail. Not hell itself. The church will win. We don't need to have a vulnerable view of the church. Like, Oh no, the bad guys don't like us. Doesn't matter. We win. Don't have a vulnerable view And this is true for you personally as well. Let me go to Romans chapter 8. So we know that God's plan for the church, for the the kingdom on earth to advance and to bring the gospel to all nations is going to come to pass. We're almost there. Like it's amazing what's happened. So the church is not going to fail. We don't need to have a vulnerable view of the church. And we also don't want to have that personally, individually. Let's go to Romans 8, 35 through 39. It says this. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are not in a vulnerable position. We're in an extremely secure position. Because the creator of the universe, the almighty, the all-powerful God over everything loves us. And he's got his hand on us. So we're not in a vulnerable spot. We are immensely secure, both us individually and the church. So don't see things from a vulnerable perspective and cave into fear, cave into worry. Think that it's all going to fall apart. The real danger is us not sticking together. The real danger is us pushing away. We must stand together because then we will get the victory. So love is not vulnerable. We don't want to see through a vulnerable lens. Instead, we see through the lens of love, which allows us to confidently believe that we have the victory. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, that the gates of hell will not prevail over the church. We win. So five lenses that we don't want to see the church through are the consumer lens, the competitive lens, a fault-finding lens, a defeatist lens, or a vulnerable lens. We don't want to see the church in those ways, but through love, knowing that God first loved us, we love God back, we love humanity, each other, even our enemies, in the midst of all of that, we can see the church through the lens of love. And I challenge you to see the body of Christ, the church, through the lens of love. Let's pray for the Holy Spirit to give us eyes to see. As I mentioned earlier, I had a fault finding lens my uh, first several years as a Christian, and then the Holy Spirit changed me. The power of God is there to give us the right type of vision. If you've got a prayer need, Send us an email, prayer at goodhope.ag, and you'll get connected with the prayer team. Any need, anything, send us a, a prayer request. Someone will pray with you, connect with you on email. But right now, let's pray to have eyes to see the church through the lens of love. So Heavenly Father, we just give you praise. We honor you. We humble ourselves before you. We are amazed that you love us. And the fact that you love us changes us. We love you back, Lord. And we know that we stand in a secure position because of the love you have for us and the power that you have. We are not insecure. We are not vulnerable. Nothing can separate us from your love. So we trust in you. Help us to hold on to that trust, to finish the race, to to run strong and to see through the right lens. Help us to see the church through the lens of love. Lord, I pray for each one that's watching right now. If they see through a wrong lens, a fault-finding lens, a consumer lens, a vulnerable lens, any other lens that we haven't even talked about, Lord, by your spirit, show them that. And I pray that you would just change them right now, that your spirit would intervene and bring a change in their heart so that they can see the church through the eyes of love, the lens of love. Father, encourage us, help us to walk in your ways. And see your kingdom come. In Jesus' name, amen.